Wow, this is down to earth with Harriet Kimmick. I just want to say thank you to everybody who's joining us right now and to tell you how grateful we are that you've taken the time out on this Sunday morning. As you can see, it is what it is. It's, we find ourselves at this juncture. Today is the 19th of April. And we find ourselves here where our leaders, our political leaders, are telling us what it will take for us to all get back to work and to reopen economies. It would seem to me that they're more interested in uh, reopening the economy because it's politically expedient, not for anything else, not because as a country we are broke, not because as a country we have people walking around carrying bricks or walking around having to kill wild animals to eat it to survive, not because as a country we can't take care of our sick, not because as a country though many people are dying from a virus that is out of control, we can't uh, house people, not, not for any of those reasons but just because it's politically expedient, just because they don't want to be the group of politicians who say, well, something terrible happened on their watch and this was how they reacted to it. They're not, so that tells us that they're not interested in the, in the uh, element that is human. They're not interested in the human cost. They're more interested in what it is. Uh, when we look at what is happening, I, I just want to use Detroit as an example, to paint a picture, if you will, of what the coronavirus has done in Detroit and is doing. Right now, up until yesterday, 79 people died overnight from the virus. Well, what that tells us is that we're getting better at treating the sick. What we're not getting better at is stopping the rate of infections. On the michigan.gov website yesterday, michigan.gov slash coronavirus, you can go to that website and see what is being done, what the state is doing, and so on. But it also gives you the daily numbers. It's updated by 2 p.m. daily. And what it is showing us is that the numbers, the rate of infections is growing. So the CDC says, the science says, that each person infects 40 persons. So according to Michigan.gov, maybe I'm wrong, but there are 30,000, up until yesterday, there were 30,791 persons who were infected with the virus all over the state of Michigan. The rate of infection in Northern Michigan and Western Michigan is growing daily. It's no longer just confined to Southeast Michigan because when the virus first happened in Southeast Michigan, people went to their cabins up North, ostensibly taking the virus with them, right? So when it all said and done, they can't say that is that the people of Detroit who infected the rest of Michigan. It's people who look like them from Northern Michigan, who live in Southeast Michigan, but who went to their cabins up North when the virus first started. That's who took the infections up there. So anyway, by the numbers, it's 30,791 people. If according to the CDC, each person infects 40 persons, if you multiply 30,000 by seven by 40, you're going to get 1.2 million. That means at that rate, right now in the state of Michigan, 1.2 million persons are have been infected with the coronavirus. For all I know, that could be someone like me. 
I have stayed home, done the stuff that I should, should do, you know, wash your hands, all that stuff. Those were always things that I did as a matter of course. Those were always things that I did because I'm a person. I always wash my hands. My hands are all perpetually dry. I wash them so frequently. I never wore masks or gloves because I didn't have to, but I kept hand sanitizer in my car, in my the cold, po- cold pockets, in my purses, because then whenever I touched surfaces, I always felt like I should do that just to make sure I wasn't transmitting the virus. My thing was always taking my purse somewhere and the virus came home on me. Any kind of virus, influenza or full colds or something like that. I'm one of those persons who, when I go home, my purse does not go into my bedroom. My purse stays in my closet and it has a special place where it goes. So it never goes in my bedroom, right? So my outer clothing never go in my bedroom. I would take them off and dispose of them or wherever they have to go to put the laundry. That's how it works, right? So it's interesting to me that if, according to the CDC, one person infects 40 persons and 30,000 people have the virus, it sounds to me like there are 1.2 million people in the state of Michigan who have the virus. And I just want to ask this question of our political leaders. I was with the governor right up until she executed the stay-at-home order. But if now she's going to bow to political pressure to reopen the state before it is safe to do, then I think we have, we're going to have a problem. Wouldn't you say? I think so. And I think the problem that we're going to have is that the rate of infection will, will, will spread. And this is why today I am saying, deliver us. I'm issuing an appeal to God to deliver us. Because I too have family members. And by now, most people who have stayed at home and are watching the news are more than a little bit concerned that had they not stayed at home, they would have been infected. Just yesterday, for instance, we had a problem with our cable. It was very windy and the cable box flew open on the side of the building and, you know, we went to look at it. Well, when we called Comcast, They told me this. They said that uh, they can't send anybody out in Metro Detroit because of the virus. And that even when they have sent people out in the past, just by even people who had on a suit and stood outside to do work outside, they still caught the virus. That shocked me. That totally shocked me. It could mean that when they got to the house, they probably opened, you know, had to knock on the door for someone to talk to them, whatever it was, it shocked me. I am saying to all of you, we need to be more mindful. So now that people have stayed at home, people are looking at the numbers and they're like, the rate of infection is too high. It is spreading too far. And now that people have stayed at home, I think if I go back to work with social distancing requirements, it is not practical. It's not practical. If you were to go back to work right now with social distancing requirements, just imagine in your, in your little place where you work, all of maybe a thousand feet, and there are probably like 10 or 20 people in there, how are you gonna practice social distancing requirements of six feet apart? It's literally impossible, isn't it? It's literally impossible to practice social distancing. My goodness. And I just want to ask the question, did they take that into consideration? If we all go back to work and we all get on a plane, right? Or get on a train 
So in a small confined space, there'll be a lot of people breathing on one another, shoulder to shoulder, because there are not enough trains and not enough space to move 2 million people in the city of Detroit, in, in the city of uh, New York with social distancing requirements of six feet apart. It's just not practical. Then you get out and you touch surfaces. Then you get on an elevator. Elevators can carry 13 people. So if an elevator can only carry 13 people, it's two people per elevator car. How many elevators would you need in a building to go up to the the 50th floor? Think about that. It is not practical. Then, even if they stand downstairs and say, well, only two people can go up and whenever you get there, it would take you all day to work an eight-hour shift to get to work. Then you're going to go into communal spaces like bathrooms, right? The bathroom, bathrooms are a petri dish. Then you go in the break room because you can't eat at your desk. You have to go sit at a desk to eat. So what is going to happen to us? It's not practical. Then let's take the next stage of it, which is to send our children back to school. Look, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know about you. Mine will be homeschooled. But as for me and my house, my daughter is going to be homeschooled for the remainder of the school year. Because all the students are going through one door, touching surfaces, going up the steps to go to their classes, touching the doors, touching desks, going to their lockers. I'm just role-playing it, right? Okay. Then they're sitting in an enclosed space with 28 other students or 25 other people for five to six hours. Then they go into a gym. I just want us to think about the practicality for those people who are busy carrying banners and who are writing stuff like you're being duped into wearing a mask and people who are saying it's work we want and not welfare. Okay, well, I'll sit in the welfare state and live while you can go and do your thing and go back to work and contract a virus that is highly virulent, right? Right, and they share the same desk with 40 other students. Just think about the practicality of it. Is it practical to reopen the economy? So somebody took me on on Facebook and said, well, you know, uh, our children are not sick. I said, they're asymptomatic. So they're going to bring the virus home to you and I, and we contract it. I haven't heard any more about her saying that since. Because people don't think. They get into their fiery rhetoric, right? And when they get into their fiery rhetoric, then they say things that don't make sense. Students sit in a different desk for every class in which another student sat in before. Hello, somebody. So we're just all day. Just just role play for one day. And then just sit tight for about three weeks. Sit tight for about three weeks to a month. And then the infection rates just start. Then you would see the healthcare system slowly overwhelmed. Because I, at, at this stage, I'm still amazed at people who claim they have a college degree. People who say they're educated and they're intelligent and they're still driving around having demonstrations all over the country at saying that this is not true, that this virus is only affecting some people. It's not affecting anybody. It's a grand dupe and protesting. And listen to this, y'all. They're taking up arms to defend an idea. It's almost as if they don't watch TV. They only watch Fox News, which they're idiots anyway. Yes, they are stupid. 
Fox News first said the coronavirus was something designed to get rid of President Trump while people in Italy and China were dying. Okay, so we may not all like China. We all agree on that. But Italy though, people in Italy were dying and Fox News said that the coronavirus wasn't real. And these are educated. You got to understand that 58% of college educated white women voted for President Trump. So these are educated people who are still espousing this darned rhetoric that does not make sense. I just want to tell you that here in, in Detroit, we have a problem and it's now Metro Detroit because healthcare workers don't live in Detroit. They live outside of Detroit. So they have now taken the virus elsewhere. And the reason that people in Detroit have had, uh, had a worse time of it really is because Detroit is the epicenter of travel for Michigan. Let's just be clear about that. This patient zero is someone whom the healthcare system won't identify. But patient zero is likely somebody who came from China due to celebrating the Chinese New Year. Here in Detroit, we have a lot of uh, our major companies, General Motors and, and Chrysler and Ford, they have business in China. Patient zero is likely someone who either traveled for business or who as a result of the large Asian population we have here, perhaps traveled from the Chinese New Year. That's who patient zero is. They probably came through Metro Airport, right? Came back to work, went back to work, or as a healthcare worker, or as a business person, or as an engineer, and transmitted the virus. Before you knew it, the virus was virulent amongst people with pre-existing conditions like asthma, That's all that happened. Detroit has been a heavily uh, polluted city for almost a hundred years. The sky now is so blue that I'm startled, right? So with that kind of heavy uh, pollution, naturally a virus that attacks the lungs is what? Is you're a sitting duck. And there are a lot, because we live in Michigan, it's so cold here most of the time. Most of us have sinus pressure issues. I never knew that I had sinus until I moved to Michigan. I didn't know what that... I mean, the first time I had a sinus pressure headache, I thought something was wrong with me. I went to the emergency room when I first moved here 17 years ago. I kid you not. It was then I learned about sinus pressure headaches. I'm like, what on earth? So most of us have sinus issues because of how cold it is here and our body acclimating and accustomed, getting accustomed and acclimating to the cold. And that added to which is our weather. The weather here is unpredictable. It was like 60 degrees all of last week. And then all of a sudden, a couple of days ago, we had snow real time. Now it's in the 30s. Yesterday was in the 50s, but real chilly. So it was like, okay, it's supposed to be 50, but you went out without a jacket and you were like, ooh. So in Michigan, you learn that if it says 50, factor in it might be 10 degrees cooler, especially at this time of the year. So you learn. So there is no way that this is uh, this virus came from China and they deposited it in the black community. No, it was just people who were more susceptible because of pre-existing conditions. So now people in Northern Michigan think they are above it and are impervious to it and drove down to mid-Michigan in Lansing and touched gas stations. They bought gas 
They were standing outside on the steps of the Capitol. And, and I dare say this, that the governor is, is female, right? I guarantee if it were a white man, if it were a man running the, being the governor, they wouldn't march up there like that. But how dare a woman tell them what to do? How dare a woman tell me that I can't open my business? Because you will die. So give it about three to four. Somebody asked me why, why the governor didn't ticket the people. And I said, who was going to go out there? I said, the state police have the numbers and see the rates of infection. They weren't going to go out there and touch anybody. It's not worth it. They weren't going to go out there and touch anybody. And then everybody else just said, well, just it's a Petri dish out there. Let them go out there and congregate. They don't want to observe social distancing because they're smarter than the scientists. They do that. But the governor is female. So they're all of a sudden, everybody is taking up arms. I have a right. You ever seen how people... Uh, you know, just resort to violence whenever they feel threatened. Whenever they feel threatened, especially intellectually, the first thing they're going to do is remind you that they are powerful and their power stems from having a gun. I'm speaking the truth. Isn't it the truth? It is the truth. My ex-husband was like that. Whenever he felt that he was slipping and he things were happening around him that he had no control over, he would hastily remind me, by pulling out his gun on me, or he would pull his fist out to remind me that I should stay in my place and that I am subjected to his power. Well, that's the same thing those people came from Northern Michigan to do to the governor. It's because she's female. They feel like she's a batting ram. Everybody can pick on her. It's her fault. She didn't bring the virus here. The federal government allowed the virus to proliferate. The federal government was lax in its duty of care to ensure that everybody was protected from this virus. That was the federal government's fault. The federal government had the information, not from the scientists. The federal government got the information from the intelligence community that this virus was likely to be disruptive nationally and internationally. The federal government ignored it. They didn't even look at the science. The intelligence report said that this virus was likely to be a problem. It's not the governors who created the problem. Now we have people dying en masse. In New York, they're burying people in open graves, y'all. That will soon be the issue right here in Detroit. Right now, people can't find their loved ones. There are so many people in body bags stored up in places waiting to be buried because social distancing, you can only do 10 at a time. And oftentimes... The person who has the information about burial is, 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 is sick because they were taking care of the sick. I read one report on the Detroit News where, uh, or click on Detroit, where uh, the one funeral home said three of its employees died from the virus. Three of its employees. Funeral homes are overwhelmed. In, a, in an ordinary month, they do 50 to 90 funerals. The larger ones doing 90, right? Now they're doing 60 in 15 days. They don't have any more storage space to store bodies. Pretty soon, they're going to require that they find some place down river or somewhere where they can just have mass burials. Are you listening to me? So for the people who are marching, whom you see on the news, who are marching, I just want to ask, just give it a few, give it a few weeks. You don't have to get mad. You don't have to say anything. They're going to become a victim 
of their own circumstance in a matter of time. They subjected themselves. They refused to wear a mask. They refused to comply with social distancing. They actually feel like they're doing something good because they're not dependent on welfare. That's your working class morality at work. Let me help you out. In the stimulus package that was issued, the Congress and the government fought over giving Americans $1,200 per person, right? Am I correct? $1,200. $1,200 divided by 30 days equals 40. That's $40 a day. Listen up. Hidden in that stimulus bill was a little inserted paragraph that said, if you earn more than a million dollars a year, your stimulus check would be $1.7 million. And you have idiots out there marching who don't have a million dollars in their pockets. But you out there marching on your working class morality. Meanwhile, millionaires are laughing at you. They're like, let the people stay home. I'm still making my $1.7 million anyway. It is what it is. These are the times that we live in. These are dangerous times. They're dangerous to you and I because people are not thinking about what they should do. We're the United States. We can't look to China for guidance. We've never looked to anybody for guidance. We are the trendsetters. We set the stage for the world. But we are caught with our pants down at our ankles and we're jumping around like we're hampered. And now you have people walking through the streets of Michigan and other states protesting that they want to go back to work. And they, have, they know well within themselves that going back to work is dangerous for themselves and everybody else. But I just want to say something because I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. Well, okay, the virus is going to dictate and tell you what to do. The evil we're facing today is not the virus. The evil we're facing today is ourselves, is our inner man. That inner man that is vain, that inner man that seeks to dominate and wants to control its own circumstances to the detriment of everybody else. You want to go back to work and you don't care how it's going to hurt me or my family. You don't care that you insisting you should reopen your business is endangering your employees. The government has agreed to pay you some money. Sit yourselves down and take the money and bow down. The millionaires are getting $1.7 million. Take your $1,200 and go sit down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Think about that. People are out there marching, exposing themselves to a violent virus that in most of these states where they're marching, by the way, they don't have good and proper health care. Yeah? So when they get sick, God help them. But you're out there marching, and the millionaires are sitting back counting the $1.7 million that is in their bank accounts. Sit and think about that for just a second. Deliver us from ourselves. Deliver us from that wicked inner man that seeks to exalt itself, that seeks to superimpose that I am more important and what I feel and what I think is more important than the health and well-being and safety of my family, my community members, my employees, my staff, and my friends. It's just like the preachers. They're just as bad. 
their egos got caught. They want to stand before hundreds and thousands of people every day. And when they're done, they go run the numbers. We had over 40,000 people today. We had over 4,000 people today. When they couldn't get a chance to do that, they too said, well, we're an essential service. No, you're not. Essential service are the people cooking food, the people working in warehouses, the people driving ambulances, the police cars, the military. Those are the essential people. The people patrolling the skies, they're essential. The delivery truck drivers, All those big trucks that have to drive, the people packing the foods in grocery stores, they're essential. The people on the front lines, they're essential. I had one family member, I told you about this on Friday, who is an emergency room physician in New York and who got sick and contracted the the virus. He didn't even wait for good recovery. You should at least give yourselves four weeks before you go back out. He went back out as soon as he started feeling better because he's conscious that people need help. I have one cousin in upstate New Jersey who works in a nursing uh, a nursing home and she's a registered nurse with over 40 patients on a floor. Are you listening to me? They ran out of PPE, protective personal equipment. Her husband had to order the equipment for her because the facility wouldn't order it and ran out of it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Deliver us. We need deliverance. We need deliverance from people who are picking up arms and who are caught up in the anger. I saw a picture circulating on social media this week in which uh, people were standing outside of Ohio. My goodness, and so angry. I'm like, how can you be, I think it's a Republican governor in Ohio, but marching against the governor's stay-at-home restriction. How can you? That person looks like she's a teacher. You probably have too much time on her hands. Think about it. Why would you want to do that? So we want to send our children out to daycare, another Petri dish. We don't think about anyone else but ourselves. You think you are the only person who has Second Amendment rights, First Amendment rights, Third Amendment rights, Fourth Amendment rights, Fifth Amendment rights, Sixth Amendment rights, Seventh Amendment rights. We all have rights. We all have rights, but here's the thing. Having a right does not mean I don't have a responsibility. I have all the rights in the world, but I have a responsibility. My responsibility is when I'm going out, make sure I cover my face with a mask so I don't get sick, so it won't endanger my family members and my community members. You want to know how this thing is deep and penetrative? My friend, Reverend Horace Sheffield, disclosed a few days ago on my show, on Down to Earth, uh, I think it was a couple days ago, that he distribute, he was distributing food on that day. I think it was Thursday morning. 10,000 frozen meals in Detroit. Are you listening to me? Ten, the, I, I, first of all, I staggered at the number. I'm like, 10,000 people are hungry and need a meal? That, 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 that is telling me we have a problem and that we could have a potential problem. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? 10,000 frozen meals, 10,000 people are hungry. 10,000 hungry people who are hungry will become 10,000 hungry people who become angry. People who marched in Lansing with their guns drawn will become people who are angry while marching, 
who will pull their weapons out and start shooting. Deliver us. Deliver us, dear God. Deliver us. We are in trouble. So Reverend Sheffield was telling me about the 10,000 frozen meals that he was distributing. And he said that they were using the National Guard. The National Guard was helping to distribute naturally because, you know, people will become anxious and so on. You want to control it. And the presence of the National Guard is it, it, they wear, they have all the equipment from the military and so on. And they're wearing protective equipment. The mayor of the city of D- Detroit withdrew them. Why? Because he thinks it wouldn't look good. He says the optics of it would not look good because it would remind people of when the National Guard was last deployed in Detroit in the 1968 riots. I was floored. I couldn't believe that at a time like this, 10,000 people are hungry and you're worried about your image? You're worried about how you will appear on TV to people? Do you see what I'm saying? Deliver us. Deliver us from our self-imposed vanity and our image. That we're so conscious about our image and our vanity that we think we need to worry about that more than feeding 10,000 hungry people. I couldn't believe it. I don't think the mayor is going to be up for re-election. There must be a moratorium on how long you can stay a mayor. But seriously, that's what you're worried about? You're worried about your name in the papers and your image on television? Then you're worried about feeding the people. Meanwhile, bus drivers have gotten sick and died from COVID virus. Police officers have died. Two sheriff's deputies have died. And you are worried about your image. Lord God, deliver us. Yesterday, I went grocery shopping. So my thing is, if if we're going to go grocery shopping, because you know you run out of eggs and you run out of milk, right? You know, fresh vegetables, those things, you gotta kind of have to go get those, right? And, and cheese and stuff like that, right? And so my belief is that the best time to go grocery shopping is to go early in the morning, right as the stores open, because they would have sanitized and cleaned overnight. And there are fewer people. And, you know, maybe that because, you know, they're not going to sanitize during the day. I think Target does that. But most of them, they're not going to sanitize during the day. So the best time is to hurry in early and get out while it's still clean from overnight. That's my thing. Well, this was Walmart. And I found a little section where they had about 50 bottles of hand sanitizer. And I was like, so at first I thought it was hand soap. And I'm like, wow, guess what? Hand soap in the pump is back. Because, you know, all of us, you buy hand soap and, you, you know, you buy the big ones and refill it. So I was like, but then I realized that it's Germix. You know, that popular one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as soon as I said, is that hand sanitizer? A guy was walking past. And I was like, dude, look, hand sanitizer is back. He said, what? He grabbed a whole thing. I said, I'm taking this to work. Do you see what I mean? Well, the point I'm trying to make is that now, all of a sudden, we are all concerned about surfaces we touch, about people. This is going to change the way we look at stuff, the way we think, the way we act. And you are worried 
about your image and how you look. You're worried about what history is going to attach to your name. How about history attaching your level of compassion for people who can't do any better for themselves in a pandemic? I am still staggered by 10,000 people being hungry in Detroit. I don't know about you. That's something to worry about. So now Reverend Sheffield says instead of distributing it once a week, they're going to distribute food every day, Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12. And guess what? He doesn't have the benefit of the National Guard anymore because the mayor is wrapped up in his image and what his image looks like. Just like the federal government is wrapped up in their image on what they're going to look like. And in between that are the people who are hurting. So now it is obvious that we can't look to the, to the federal government because they were asleep at the switch. And we can't look to the mayor because he's more worried about his numbers and how he looks. We can't look to the governor because she's under pressure and she's going to bow to political pressure from her donors who wrote her big checks. We don't have any choice now, do we? We're going to have to look up. We're going to have to seriously look up to the hills from whence cometh our help. And we're going to have to pray and ask God to deliver us. We're going to have to pray very specific prayers. Friends, if you've never prayed before, you are suddenly going to find what it means to pray. Because I guarantee you, and I tell you this, that we are going to have to find ourselves in a place where only prayer to God is going to work. Because nobody is looking out for you and I. We're on our own. The government, the federal government is concerned about who they're going to blame for this politically so they can still look good politically. The governor and all the governors are worried about, well, I kind of have to listen to my donors. And then the mayor is worried about his image on TV. Who do, who are we left with? It's not the pastor because he's worried that you're going to see him without a church and suddenly he's going to be nobody. And it's important to him that you think he's so powerful. So he's not, he's not going to send up a prayer. God probably is not listening to him either. If he's that worried about it, God ain't listening to him. So he's not the emissary or the intercessor that you need. You know, who is your intercessor right now? You, you are going to have to pray. Now, it becomes even more urgent when we realize that when people become infected from the coronavirus, we as the family can't visit them. You know, my mom died three years ago and my father died last year. I am glad they're not here because they're older. And if they were here and my mother got sick and I couldn't go to help her, I couldn't go when mom was sick and dying, I was by her bedside day and night. I was even in the bed with her when the pain made her roil so hard. I still have issues with that. Do you understand? Imagine people today are dying alone because of the virus. We're all going to need therapy. And in the midst of watching our family members die, There is no leadership. There is an absence of leadership and the leadership vacuum that has no compassion for none of us. I sincerely thought the governor was on the side of the people, 
But she says it's possible she's going to relax restrictions because of political pressure. So she's not one of us. She's not thinking about us. Canada announced yesterday that they're still going to close the border between America and Canada for another 30 days. Sounds to me like someone is thinking. Do you have any idea what another 30 day closure of those borders mean? Canada has closed its borders to the whole world. Nobody coming in. But you can drop some food off if that's what you're bringing here and medical supplies. Do you understand what I'm saying? God and God alone delivers and that's the place that he has brought us to. He has brought us to the place where we realize you can't look to man for help. Who is man? The Bible says, who art thou that thou art mindful of me? What is man? Well, that's what we are all finding out. We are but a vapor on the earth. No matter how we walk around and pontificate and postulate, and we act like we're so important, and without me, nothing happens, and without me, I'm so important to industry. My very words shake and share the stock market, and my very words make people shudder in their boots. We are nothing but a vapor. Because it's proven now that there is nobody, no human being who can save us from this virus. We're literally on our own. So now, what do we do? It's not the Pope. Because the Pope couldn't stand out and say hallelujah on Easter Sunday or Good Friday. And a lot of people put their faith in the Pope that if they got to, if they got to, uh, to, 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 to the Vatican, just within St. Peter's Basilica, every problem would be solved. And then we found out that there was no mess. And the Pope couldn't stand up there and say, Hallelujah! And we put our faith in man. You know what's going to happen this week? We're going to see the manifestation of what men have done. I, I kid you not, I blame myself. You know why? In February, the FBI put out a press release. I have a, still have a screenshot of it that said they were buying N95 masks and hand sanitizer. I put it out on Twitter. Like, what do they know that we need to know? And something at the back of my mind kept telling me, go and buy some masks. And I was like, Man, maybe the FBI is hyping this stuff, but they usually don't hype stuff. If they say it is, it is. So I should listen. Listen, y'all. Within five days, there were no masks left. And then I started to wonder, what do they know? So I said, let me go pray. That same week, on a Sunday morning broadcast, the Lord took me to the scripture in Exodus chapter 10 about the plagues that afflicted Israel. Look, you don't know me like that. When I tell you the next morning, I was in the grocery store. (laughs) I stocked up on everything. I had a freezer in my basement that I have not plugged in in three years. I cleaned it out. I cleaned it out. I packed up. I stocked up every space that is in my house with food. I even bought canned food. Y'all know I don't eat canned food, y'all. 
because I'm like, I don't know how long this is going to last. Then I began doing some research. I began reading every material that I could lay my hands on about this, trying to get an understanding because it became clear to me that they knew, the federal government did, and they didn't do anything to stop this. And then it became clear to me that the state government did and they didn't do anything and the city government did and nobody did anything. And I said, well, God knows everything. God is omnipotent. God is omniscient, right? So I started praying and I found myself shopping for food. I bought up. I have, maybe I have like 10 gallons of bleach. Don't come looking for me, (laughs) y'all. I bought rubbing alcohol. Right now, you can't even get hydrogen peroxide in the stores. And hydrogen peroxide is a very effective antibiotic anti, you know, to when you have cuts and viruses. The point I'm making is we are the ones. We are going to have to collectively pray to God like we have never prayed before. I know most of us say, well, you know, Harriet, I'm a Christian, you know, I go to church, I tithe, I give my money. You probably do. I don't know what your, what condition your heart is in because racism is being practiced right in front of us all day, every day. We practice racism, we practice classism, we practice every kind of ism and still call ourselves Christians and still say we love people. If you loved people, why were you marching in Lansing knowing that you were endangering everybody else? But you say you're a Christian. Preachers are out there telling people to come into a drive-up service. You say you're a Christian and you represent God. If God is speaking clearly through this virus, the whole world screeched to a halt and God is speaking and you tell me that you're a representative of God, so who are you listening to? Because surely you would have seen that this is a plague. We can't trust China. America is supposed to be the leader. You know why? We have some integrity. We are trustable. People can look, the rest of the people in the world say, well, if America says so, it probably is so. Well, let's do what they do. We can't trust China. Did you know China was burning people who died from coronavirus? China burnt the people who died from coronavirus. Why? Because they discovered that the virus is transmittable as an infectious disease from the dead. What that tells you about the rest of us, all the people in hospitals who have touched the dead, they're going to get it. It's only a matter of time. It's going to be a wider community spread. We might have to get to a stage where we spray from the air. But who's going to do that? Because environmentalists are going to say, it's going to hurt my child. And I am allergic to that. And I have a right. We don't have any more rights. I have rights. You have rights. Guess what? For each right, there's a corresponding responsibility. Do you see what I'm saying? So who are we going to trust? I read in, uh, I think it was the Wall Street Journal or something. They were looking at the models in China. I'm like, you can't trust China. They killed their own people. China was who brought in the one-child policy and killed women who were pregnant if they had a girl child. Now they have more men in China than women and their population is at risk. You're going to trust that? You're going to trust the people who did not even release the numbers. You're going to trust them? No, they're lying. 
I read a report yesterday that says in South Korea, they have found that people who formerly had the virus and who have recovered are now, have now tested positive. Ah, uh, did we just pull up brakes? They want to tell you, people go crazy on Facebook about this stuff. Well, they're not telling us who has recovered and how many people have recovered. And I had my head in my hands like, are you kidding me? It's just like the, <laughs> it's just like anything else. When you recover, you don't celebrate. Anybody ever had a family member who had cancer? What do they tell you? They tell you that if they have recovered after five years, you can say you have recovered because chances are it will come back in two to three years. So people who had the virus and who have recovered are celebrating the media, making a big deal about it. Look at them. They have recovered. No, no, no. The virus is still in the air. It's still out there. It hasn't gone away because we never sprayed it away. That's the only thing that's going to stop it is to spray it away from the air. But you can't do that because it's going to violate my civil rights. It's going to violate my rights as a person. Then I should say going back to work is going to violate my rights because you're going to get sick and you're going to infect everybody else and I'm going to get infected. So I'll sue you too. Do you see how ridiculous this is? So now comes now our only option is to look up. Only the God of heaven and earth can save us. It is not the Pope. It's not the president. It's not the governor. It's not the mayor. It's not any politician. It's not the preacher. It's God. And anybody who is not drawing your attention to look up, you probably shouldn't be listening to that. Because if you read the scientific data, It is clearly telling us that there is an outcome we're not going to like. We're not going to get back to normal for a while. That's what they're telling us. Look, we social distance, y'all, in the state of Michigan, and 30,000 people still end up with it. And we social distanced. If we hadn't social distanced, it would be 3 million. And even with social distance, it was still 30,000 people in 30 days. Are you all listening to these numbers? We all do math. We can add. You don't need an equation or a formula. You just need basic math. One plus one equals two. In 30 days, in the state of Michigan, we discovered 30,000 people with coronavirus. It's that simple. Even if the CDC couldn't come up with a formula like one person infects 40 persons. Forget that. In 30 days, 30,000 people had the virus. Do you need anything else to tell you that this is a problem? Comes now what we're going to do. I only have a few more minutes left. What we're going to do? You know what we're going to do? Everybody, find somewhere in your room, in your house, where you can pray. Turn the TV off. We've watched everything on Netflix. Because we thought this was only going to be two weeks. Ah, we can do two weeks. Netflix, Hulu, everything. We can write all the books we want, drop all the music videos, do all the stuff. Two weeks is over. It's time to pray. You know the prayer you're going to pray? Lord, deliver us. That's the prayer we're going to pray. Look up and say, Lord, deliver us. We can't ask the president. He can't help us. We can't ask the Pope. 
We can't ask the governor. We can't ask the mayor. They don't have the answers. They're going to bow to whatever pressure that they feel themselves under. And they're going to lead according to the pressure that they're under. And it is not fruitful. It is not expedient for you and I. I do not want to see anybody else drop dead from coronavirus. Every time I opened my Facebook page, I took a 24-hour leave of absence. I just went live on Facebook this morning without looking at it. Every time I pick it up, it's somebody else who has lost someone important to them. It's somebody else who their whole world has collapsed because somebody important to them. Are you all hearing me? For all the people in Northern Michigan and Central Michigan and Western Michigan who took up arms to go demonstrate because you think you have a right, you almost killed the rest of us because you are responsible for spreading the virus. That's what you have done. It's not about you. It's about all of us. You have now taken that virus back to your family, back to your community, and now everybody is going to get it. Whereas before, maybe it would have just been 60,000 of us. Maybe it would have just been a million of us. But now it's going to be almost 3 million of us. Come on, people. The virus is out of control. People are dropping dead. Do you know the kind of mass casualty and the therapy we're going to need? Can you imagine when we realize that we abandoned our parents and grandparents and left them in nursing homes to rot? Wouldn't even find the time to go back and visit them. And then next thing you know, they're dead, piled up in a storage room somewhere. How are we going to recover from that? How are we going to recover from the image we saw on CNN in our local paper right here in the Detroit Free Press of people sitting packed up in a bed in a sleep center at Sinai Grace Hospital? How are we going to cope with that? How are we going to cope with that woman who lost her son and her husband in less than three days apart? How are we going to cope with one person on my Facebook page who lost seven members of their family? How are we going to cope with one church denomination here in South Michigan who lost 12 members so far, 12 members of their clergy, 12 members of the upper echelon of their leadership here in Southeast Michigan, the church of God in Christ lost 12 members. 12 of their leadership. It looked like a hall of fame. How you think we're all going to cope? With a 22-year-old who I know of who died from coronavirus. My daughter went to college with, a, with someone she went to college with. Posted a, a story about her brother. Her, when they were all in college. You know how college kids are. Right? When they were all in college, he used to be the DJ. He would come up and have the, they had the party and she, you know, everybody, he was a DJ. He dropped dead from coronavirus, got sick, ended up on a ventilator and died. Just when she thought, well, that's an isolated case. You know, he was only 28. Somebody else. Now she says, my daughter is 27. Can you imagine she goes to Twitter and she says every day is an RIP. I'm like, whoa, I thought it was just my Facebook page and the people my age group. <laughs> It's everybody. How are we going to cope? What are we going to do with each other? How are we going to tell ourselves? What are we going to tell ourselves? And what are we going to tell our family members and our children and our grandchildren? What are we going to tell them? That we marched against a virus? It's an invisible enemy. The enemy is not the governor. The enemy is not the president. The enemy is not the mayor. The enemy is an invisible virus. It's a virus that has control. The enemy is the person controlling the spread 
of the virus. That's who the enemy is. And the whole world needs to find that and rally around that and pray to God for deliverance because they set it up. Look at it this way. The virus came to the epicenters of America. Let's study America. And I'm, I'm about to be done. I have a few minutes. The virus came to where? California hmm? and Washington State. Where are those? Pacific Rim. That's where a lot of trade and a lot of people from the Pacific go back and forth. Then it went to New York. What's New York? Another epicenter. The epicenter of commerce. That's where our economic power comes from. The, the, the New York Stock Exchange. You ain't trading on the New York Stock Exchange. You ain't nobody. That's what markets around the world use. Yeah, we have the commodities exchange in Chicago, but do we really trade in commodities as much as we trade in paper nowadays? So it went to New York, another travel epicenter. If it doesn't happen in New York, it doesn't happen anywhere else. So it was a sitting duck that New York would get it. The next epicenter is where? The center of the Midwest, Detroit. No matter what they say about Detroit, showing you images of a broken down Detroit. Hey, listen to me. It ain't that. Okay? I live here. It ain't that. Detroit is another manufacturing epicenter. Some of the smartest people in engineering and automotive engineering in the world live here and work here. So it attacked the very brain center of our country. Are you seeing it now? It came to attack America. And we're fighting internally with one another, jockeying for position, and the virus is wreaking havoc on our country. It came to hurt America. It's not the virus. The invisible enemy behind the virus. That's all you need to find out. And when we all figure that out, that's what we're going to fix. Because the time out for blaming and pointing fingers is done. You love America so much that you're going to take up your gun, get on your pickup truck, and drive from land from, from upstate Michigan four hours and head down to, to Lansing to show them your power. If you love America so much, sit down and pray for a little bit. And you're going to see what I saw. Who controlled the virus and its spread? It attacked the very center of our country, our economic power. They couldn't attack our military. Because y'all know them boys don't play. The boys and girls of the United States, they don't play. They don't have time for that. So you send something else, an unseen enemy that we're fighting internally, jockeying for position, looking for sound bites. That ain't it. We better pray for deliverance. Deliver us, Lord. We need deliverance. All these preachers talking about send me your stimulus checks. You better pray we have an America for this check to be worth something. Look at our country. We're printing money to save ourselves. And it ain't hurting us. We found out now that student loan debt can be forgiven. 
we found out now that we can we can give loans to small businesses to keep them afloat. Let's do that. Let's cooperate. I am my brother's keeper. All you folks up in Northern Michigan. So how can we help them folks down there? Because Northern Michigan ain't got no money nor industry except prisons. Am I speaking the truth here? The money is made in Southeast Michigan right down here. Come down here and help us. Work together and keep this going. We're in the Midwest. If we don't cough, if we don't do something over here in Detroit, ain't nothing happening anywhere else. Come down here and help us. Stop the fighting. Stop the jockeying for position and pointing fingers to gain political traction. It ain't going to be worth nothing in a matter of time. Because right now the virus has spread all over the place. I got to go. The virus has spread all over the place. Now it's only a matter of time before people's windpipes start cutting off. People can't breathe. I wonder if something is in the air why I can't breathe. Because it's ramped up now. Because instead of paying attention to what we should have paid attention to, we were too busy worrying about money in our bank accounts. And that is not going to help us because we don't have what it takes to fight this thing. And if we don't come up with a plan, if we get through this, and because God is going to answer the prayers of the people who pray, And if we get through this, I didn't say you, I said you need to pray. There's no guarantee that you're going to be saved. No guarantee that I will be saved. Only God knows who is going to come out of this. And if we don't fix this thing, they're going to come up with another one. And guess what? Now they know our weak points. Now they know exactly where we are weak. Set up something so they fight against one another. Because you know what was our strength? Hey, what was our strength? The unite, say it. The united, say it one more time, united or unity was our strength. It wasn't California. It wasn't Washington. It wasn't the Midwest. It wasn't the East Coast. It wasn't Delaware, Pennsylvania, New York. That wasn't our strength. It was these united, united states. And if we don't rally around behind that flag, if we don't rally around that, we're about to lose it, y'all. And we need to do that. So hear me out, people. Tonight, I want us all at 8 p.m. tonight, we all need to go pray. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. Pray every night. I go down on my knees every night at 10.30. Y'all better join me. Pray until something happens. Say, Lord, deliver us. If you can't say nothing else, just say, Lord, deliver us. Come on. Just say, Lord, deliver us. We need deliverance. We need deliverance. We're going to need it in this week. My name is Harry Kimmick. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm sorry. I got to go. They're winding me up. I got to go. But pray Matthew 6 and 13. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us. Now we know who our enemy is. Deliver us from the evil one. Thanks, everybody. Be blessed.